This episode is brought to you by Aethera Clothing. Aethera Clothing is a Sri Lankan-run custom clothing business creating amazing hand-painted pieces from shoes to jeans to jackets. To see his work or make a custom order, check out Aethera on Instagram at Aethera Clothing. That's E-D-U-R-A. Or go to www.aetheraclothing.com. And when you talk to him, tell him that your friends at Brown Men Won't Jump sent you. Yo, what's good, everyone? It's Anushan, and you're listening to Brown Men Won't Jump. Howdy how, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Brown Men Won't Jump. I'm Aswi, and joining me today is Eric. Yes, sir. How you doing today, Eric? How's it going? Same shit, different day, but loving the slow change of the weather as we get into the spring, so no complaints over here. Nice. I just made uh, my famous chicken curry. Well, it's really my mom's famous chicken curry, so I'm just enjoying it. Oh, it came out like 10 out of 10 this time. One of my best thus far. I mean, those pictures look fantastic, so... It looked primo. Yeah, I I promise you, it it tastes better than it looks. Oh, and a special shout out. Today is Eric's mom's birthday. So happy birthday to Eric's mom. Happy birthday, Marianne. Happy birthday, Marianne. So Eric, usually the season wrapping up is pretty uneventful. We basically know where teams will end up. Some teams have tanked by this point. But there's something that's really kind of Still capturing at least my interest. I don't know about you. It's this crazy scoring race right now. It's between Embiid, LeBron, and Giannis. And if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the closest in NBA history, right? Yeah, they're pretty much like right behind each other, like a couple of decimal points. I mean, there have been other, very few, let me add. There have been some other scoring races that I guess vibe with this scoring race as far as the players being right behind each other neck and neck but this is a historically close scoring race at the end of the season you you rarely see scoring races that are this neck and neck yeah so right now at the time of this recording Embiid is leading the scoring race with 30.42 points per game LeBron is second with 30.27 points per game And Giannis is third with 29.89. Now, it should be known that LeBron James still needs to play at least two of his last three games in order to be eligible because I believe you need 58 games played in a season to be eligible for the scoring title. So it's possible that LeBron's persistent ankle injury might keep him out of this competition. Or is it Eric just because the Lakers season's done? (laughs) I like how you slyly put that in there. But no, real talk, though this scoring race is incredibly close, I really don't expect LeBron to actually be eligible at the end of the season because I just don't see him playing these last two games. Definitely considering he missed the previous two games, and those previous two games, they were right on the cusp of being one of the teams eligible for the play-in. But since they lost those two games, they're not eligible for the play-in at all. So there's for all intents and purpose, 
no reason for LeBron James to play these last two games. I mean, if anything, in doing so, he sets up an easy target for himself, which honestly, I strongly disagree with. I mean, look, hate LeBron if you want, but can we appreciate the fact that this man is 37 years old and he's competing against two guys who are literally 10 years younger than him for the scoring title? Like, can we not just take a second to appreciate greatness where we see it? Well, see, this is the thing. To be fair, when teams perform as poorly as this Lakers squad have performed this year, you you generally don't get the laurels, even if you have a fantastic season. Now, he is having a historically great offensive season for a person with his NBA mileage. So that is something to take account of. But the team is so bad that it's almost one of those things that LeBron is having a season where he's become a a great stats on a bad team all-star. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to take away from his accomplishment, but I also don't want to give it too much attention. I I actually think this is one of one of the accomplishments that we need to take it into context and be aware that a lot of things actually went wrong for him to even be able or willing to score 30 points per game because I can't imagine a situation if this Lakers team was actually as good as they thought they were going to be where LeBron would have even shot the ball enough to average 30 a game. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I looked up all the different people who won the NBA scoring title and almost everybody made it to the playoffs. The only exceptions were, I believe, Russell Westbrook, he missed the playoffs in 2015, but if I'm not mistaken, that's because of the meniscal tear. And then Tracy McGrady in 2004. If anything, there's an expectation that if you're winning a scoring title, at the very least, you show up to the playoffs. Yeah, facts. And we've seen guys who have led the league in scoring, like Kobe in 2006 when he averaged... The 35 a game. Well, Kobe's team was a low seed in the West, and they faced the Phoenix Suns in the first round, and they were up 3 1, and then they ended up losing. But they were a low seed. So the expectation when you have an elite scoring season is that you should be able to at least drag your team to the playoffs. Now, LeBron has missed an excess of 20 plus games this year. So that is accounted for as well. But I, I just. I don't think if you combine the fact that he had the scoring season with the team that just, they were shit, and then you take into account that he missed so many games, to me it just, it, it doesn't have nearly the weight that it has for Embiid or Giannis, even though you are right to point out that they're a decade younger. So it is unprecedented where I could think of a guy a decade older than the other guys he's vying for the scoring lead with. But again, they're actually going to be into in the playoffs and they're actually going to be competing on teams that are legitimate contenders. That's fair. That that That's fair. And even if he does play the next three games, so his next opponents, LeBron I'm talking about, would be the Warriors, the Thunder, and the Nuggets. I mean, the Warriors have a good defense. 
But if LeBron really want, if he really wanted to, and he could score on those guys. His last game against the Warriors, he scored 56. Right, exactly. So I, I feel like it's in his grasp if he wants it, but maybe for the reasons you said, uh, probably just time to shut it down. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you're too injured to play must-win games that could potentially set you up to be able to play for a spot in the playoffs, it would make no logical sense for you to play two or three games that, for all intents and purpose, means nothing. That's fair. But I will say this. The the seasons that Joel Embiid and Giannis are putting together as scorers, let alone all-around players, is just marvelous. And these guys are two guys who are going into their late 20s and historically speaking, your late 20s as a ball player into your early 30s are your actual prime. So there's a legitimate argument to be made that both of those two guys, they're literally just scratching the surface. The NBA is in a fantastic spot right now. I am so excited to see them going forward. And just looking at them this year, how each of their games on the offensive end have progressed and expanded, it's a sight to behold. Somehow Embiid became efficient as a 15-and-out guy. Giannis has gained a jump shot while being an all-world post player. Like, man, these guys are exciting. Exciting. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's just, it's so cool to think that, I mean, I don't know if you saw this the other night. It was against the Pacers where Embiid has like three guys on him. He does like a spin move. He banks a long three to end the first quarter. And it's just like, damn, with Embiid, you get a guy who is one of the most unique and skilled big men ever. And it's so cool to see what else he brings out of his bag. You know, like. We've seen him do Jordan slash Kobe moves. We've seen him do Hakeem moves. We've seen him do like Barkley-esque stuff. Not to mention, he's even becoming a better passer by the day, it seems. He had a beautiful volleyball pass the other night. And then you have a guy like Giannis who, I mean, we were talking about this the other day, Eric. Like, this guy could be an all-time, like, top 10 or could get even higher than that if he wins another one or another one after that. I mean, this guy's a perennial MVP candidate. He's like the ultimate X factor right now in the league. So check this out. And I'm going to add this from our chat since we're talking about Giannis and, you know, him chasing the scoring title. Yeah. I posited that Kevin Durant, who before this year, when I was ranking my all-time great players, I had Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Steph Curry all buttressed around each other in my greatest players ever. Now, that was after Giannis' first championship I had him between Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. I said, if Kevin Durant, who to me, that team doesn't look as if it's going to be ready to actually legitimately compete for a chip this year. Let's say he doesn't win a chip and Giannis does. So then what you have, you have a 27-year-old Giannis who has two rings, likely two finals MVPs, two regular season MVPs, and a defensive player of the year. There's about 
three guys in the history of the NBA at that age that have a resume that even competes with that. Giannis would immediately jump into the pantheon, I'm talking about top 12 guys in NBA history, into a the pantheon of great players with nothing but time and his prime before him to move into the creme de la creme, the Mount Rushmore of NBA great players. That's what's at stake this year for Giannis. And this NBA scoring title and what he's done on the offensive end and just elevating his game offensively and defensively, that's what's being foreshadowed. Like, it's really something, like, I, I mean, I don't mean to be hyperbolic and to be cliched and say, you're witnessing history and, and you need to enjoy it and embrace it. This is actually a, a time where we're witnessing NBA history as we sit here as fans. It's amazing. No doubt. I mean, this guy, with all those accomplishments you said, right? If he adds a scoring title to that, I mean, come on. It's funny because the other day, Kendrick Perkins said something along the lines of, Giannis just wants a seat at the table, like the table, with Michael and LeBron and Kareem and Magic. That's where Giannis can be if things go the right way. And let's not forget the fact that he has a supporting cast of Middleton and Holiday who, I mean, they work great together. If they can stick together, I mean, Holiday has injury concerns, but I mean, at the very least, Middleton and him, if they can ride it out for a couple more years, it's conceivable they win a couple more rings together. I don't want to put the cart before the horse because I do think if moving forward, he's going to stay in Milwaukee and, and continuously compete for championships. At some point, they will need to retool. But how it's looking right now, four years ago, when the Warriors were at their apex, it seemed as if at any given season, the, the league was just the Warriors and everyone else. There's no team like this. Like, it seems to me the talent is relatively spread out in a manner that about six to eight teams any given year have now some legitimate shot. So in that league, I can definitely see a Giannis who I think, depending on what version of Giannis we're getting, if we're getting that Giannis that played in the last two rounds of last year's playoffs, you can put that guy around almost any competent player and a, a very good to excellent co-star, and he could win a championship. So if that's the league we're getting where we're not team stacking, not having Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson on the same team, yeah, I, I mean, homeboy, can he can rack them up in the next couple of years, man. Yeah. But you know what? I want to give Oswee some historical backdrop for this scoring race that we're having. Okay. Because, look, though we ultimately think one of the guys who's in the scoring race, he's going to bow early and not even be eligible for the, the in-season winner of the scoring title. We have had moments in NBA history since the merger where there have been some really, really close races that actually have gone down to the last game of the season. 
which I was really surprised about when I first learned about it. Like, because you, you, you never really see that. Usually it's some guy, he, for the whole season, averages two points more than his nearest competitor or something like that. You rarely see it where it's like nine in and nine out that the scoring lead is changing. You saw that this year, but we also saw this in 1994 between Shaq and David Robinson. And we also saw it in 1978 between George, the Iceman Gervin, and David Thompson of Skywalker fame. That's uh, Michael Jordan's apparent childhood hero, David Thompson. Mm, really? True story. Yeah, those races, honestly, is wild because <laughs> one guy scored a certain amount of points and then the other guy who was behind literally upped it. And in 78... David Thompson scored 73 in the game before George Gervin. Gervin saw that he needed 59 points to overtake him and then went out and scored 63 to no. barely win the scoring title. That's awesome. A 70-point and a 60-point game to settle a scoring title. That's epic shit. Yeah. And in 1994... Shaq and David Robinson came to the last day. Shaq said openly he didn't care about the scoring title. So he dropped the casual 33 and 22 rebounds on the last game of the season against the Nets. Your boy David Robinson, I guess he really wanted the scoring title because he dropped 71 against the lowly Clippers. <laughs> God damn. Against the lowly Clippers. And late in the game, his coach of the time, John Lucas... He literally had his team foul the players on the Clippers so David Robinson would be able to get extra possessions. So the Magic coach at the time, Brian Hill, publicly called the scoring race and how it ended a mockery to the game. And Dominique Wilkins, who was playing for the Clippers on his last legs. This is old uh, human highlight reel. This isn't the, the version from the Atlanta Hawks. This is the guy mid-90s on his last legs. He said it was a travesty as well, which is funny because Dominic Wilkins was a notorious stat patter and points <laughs> hunter. <laughs> so that should just give you some type of backdrop into how a close scoring race can get a little uh, testy in its last moments. And coincidentally, both Gervin and... Robinson were Spurs. You know what? That's true. They yeah. both won those scoring titles while they were Spurs. True story. If I'm not mistaken, oh yeah, this is right. That's a good point you just brought up, Oswe, because Robinson actually in the game he scored 71, he broke Gervin's 63 point outing <laughs> that he scored in the last game in 78. Wow. Amazing coincidence, huh? Right, yeah. That's so cool. I knew about Robinson 71, but I didn't know about the context behind it, nor the added context of Gervin. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and what's so amazing about, I always think about the Robinson race because I actually remember that race. I was a kid, but I remember it. And I just remember Shaq basically just like <laughs> ignoring it and being like, this just isn't important to me. And of course, that was the Shaq with Penny where they were contenders. The Spurs yeah. weren't true contenders in the West at that point. This is, you know, this is 
prior to Tim Duncan. This is this is David Robinson with the Worm, Dennis Rodman, that squad. So he wasn't that team wasn't really one of the crumb de la crumb. But Shaq was just like, I don't care. Now I'm making a narrative here because I'm going to juxtapose this because I'm going to rib LeBron a little bit, right? Okay. I'm going to juxtapose that to how. Notice Shaq didn't care about that scoring race when he was actually competing. Yeah. Uh, you you see how LeBron clearly did care about the scoring race this yeah. year when when that team was never truly competitive at all. I mean, yeah, like he was playing way too many minutes for just a sinking ship, really. Oh, yeah, he's played way too many minutes for about four or five years. Usually, guys in their 15th and up season aren't in the top five of minutes played in any season. But LeBron is always one of the top five in in minutes played per game. So, yeah, he's been playing too many minutes. Like, some of it's become because of LeBron, because he has wide latitude to kind of, you know, make the executive decision not to go get out of games. Yeah. Some of it is also the coaching staff and just over relying on LeBron. So I think it's a symbiotic bad relationship when it comes to his excessive minutes, to be fair. True, true. You know, when you're talking about these like these legends of the game, right? Like Gervin and and Robinson, it just brings me back. I've been watching that uh HBO show Winning Time. It's like the uh rise of the Lakers dynasty. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I saw a clip with Magic Johnson apparently like talking shit to his what is now his wife, Cookie. Yeah. Her yeah. boyfriend when he was younger. And just the the stuff he was saying to the guy was like some of the most savage shit I've ever heard in my life. Oh oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty brutal. <laughs> like he, who knew he, Magic had that in him? <laughs> he 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 completely emasculates him in, in that scene. But yeah, it's, it's it's terrible. <laughs> but it's pretty controversial of a show though because the depiction of jerry west is very interesting he's just kind of like this angry guy like he throws his mvp award on the ground it's unlike anything that i've heard about jerry west yeah i haven't seen it yet but i i also i think i told you before i'm I'm not really into sports movies and sports shows yeah they're not they're not my cup of tea i i don't know why i've just even as a kid i've never liked them like None of them. Almost none of them. I think the only one I ever liked in my life really was Raging Bull, which isn't okay. basketball. So Yeah, true, true. Well, Eric, you may not like sports movies, but I know one thing you do like, playoffs. So, with that, why don't we wrap up today's episode by just talking a little briefly about how the playoff picture is shaping up, what teams have clinched, what teams are in the play-in tournament, and who you think is going to come out of the play-in tournament. If the season ended today. Yeah, no doubt. Let's do it. So here's how the East is shaping up. So at the top of the East, we got the Heat, then the Celtics, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Raptors, and rounding us out at six, we got the Bulls. In the play-in tournament, we have the Cavs, Nets at eight, Hawks at nine, and the Hornets at 10. Though it should be noted that the Sixers, Bucks, and Celtics are all tied with the exact same record. As for the West, it's the Suns, followed by the Grizzlies, Warriors, Mavericks, Jazz, and rounding out six is the Nuggets. In the play-in tournament, we have the Timberwolves, Clippers at eight, Pelicans, and the Spurs at ten. So, Eric, what do you think about the playoff picture? Well, 
more than anything, I don't want to get into who's going to be where as far as a, a overview of the whole playoffs. Okay. What I do want to talk about are the potential playing games. Okay. Oswee, riddle me this. For the matchups between uh, teams in the play-in games, is it 7-8 and eight and 9-10 and 10 playing each other, if I yeah. don't remember correctly? Yeah, it, it's uh, so it, for example, with the East, it would be the Cavs <laughs> hosting the Nets and the Hawks hosting the Hornets. The loser of Cavs-Nets would face the winner of the Hawks and the Hornets. And the for, winner for, of that game between the loser of the Cavs-Nets and the winner of the Hornets-Hawks that team will be the eighth seed. Okay. So I think I, in the East, I honestly think we might have a scenario where the Nets don't even get out of the playing game. Oh, that's very likely. Yeah. So to me, if if that's how it goes down, I think the Cavs are going to win that game against the Nets. I, I really do. And I actually think, because I, I think Atlanta's going to beat the Hornets. If the Nets have to play the Hawks, I have the Hawks personally. Okay. Well, let's think about it like this, right? The Cavs host the Nets. Who's guarding Mobley? Who's going to guard Garland? Like there's so many defensive problems that the Cavs offense creates that the Nets have basically no answer to just Kevin Durant. That's it. Yeah, so I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Kevin Durant getting far in the playoffs and being looked at as a contender, one of the reasons I had other East teams ahead of the Nets, even though they have two destructive offensive firepowers in Kyrie and Kevin Durant, Yeah, it seems to me that at some point you're expecting way too much from Kevin. Yeah. So Kevin can't defend your best players all the time. And be expected to have 40-point games as well. And I I just think against the Cavs, you're going to have them defending Mobley. You're going to have them switching off to Darius Garland. Like, <laughs> he's not going to be able to do this full-time. Like, yeah. they, to me, that team has too many weapons. They, they've jailed offensively this year that I, I think even though as of late they've been having some hiccups, which is expect, expected of a young team, Yeah, I still think cohesively they're a better team than the Nets. Even though I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets win because in a do-or-die game, Kevin Durant's money. Like, he's as good as you can get in the, in the league, right? So I can definitely see them winning. I just, for some reason, I do not trust this Nets team. As we speak, Late in the third quarter, in a game that they should be looking at as a must-win game, the Nets are losing to the Knicks by 18 points. So that should give you <laughs> the Knicks, who they suck this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that should give you some feel of what this Nets team is. So I honestly, as far as the playing tournament, I'm I'm not too hot for the Nets. I I actually think they're they're probably not going to get out of that playing tournament. And you want to know the funny thing about all that? About the, the Nets and the Knicks? What? If the Knicks beat the Nets, that'll be more news than the other way around. Like, the city just gives more of a shit about the Knicks, despite them sucking, than the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, obviously, if the Brooklyn Nets win, New York will be happy. It's Brooklyn. But New York's a Knicks town. The Nets are just so 
not New York. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I've been making the the uh, the team of um, hipsters and gentrifiers for the whole year. So <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> like no no true New York fan who's actually has some type of history with New York and their fandom is a Nets fan. I, I've yet to meet one. Um, unless unless you are like an OG Dr. J Nets fan. All them dead. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. That's the thing. If, if anything, the Brooklyn Nets fans, their fan base is like mostly New Jersey Nets fans, if anything. Like that's all the Nets fans I know. Facts. I the few I know are that way as well. So and and hence I still every now and then slip up and and call them the New Jersey Nets. <laughs> I've done it multiple times on the pod. Shout out to New Jersey. Shout out to New York's dumpster. Hey 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 hey. Let's not ta- <laughs> let's not talk about Staten Island that way, man. Be, don't be disrespectful to Staten Island. All right. <laughs> All right, so Oswee, what do you what do you think about the teams that are playing or potentially in a play in out west? Even though I, I think the playing largely out west is is solidified. We we know who's gonna be in it. I mean, honestly, you have to think that the most dangerous team in the play in is probably the Timberwolves, right? They've had things going. As much as we like to troll Carl Anthony Towns, like the dude has been playing well. And Anthony Edwards is no joke himself. Yeah, so uh, Something is going on with me in my head where I'm having this like cognitive dissonance, like reconciling the fact that I, I call Cat P Cat and we make all these jokes and call him soft, even though we know he's also one of the more talented players of the last 15 or 20 years, right? One of the greatest shooting big men ever, if not the greatest shooting big man ever. I'm I'm having an issue reconciling that and also looking at his former history of not being able to get to the playoffs other than that one season when Jimmy Butler was there and reconciling it with him now being this guy who talks shit, beats his chest, and now has some type of swagger. So I like on paper, I guess I would agree with you, even though I still think that Clippers team with Paul George, who's now back, and and I think, again, Ty Lue is such an amazing coach. He's a fantastic coach. Yeah, but so Eric, I don't know, <laughs> Eric. You're you're missing the point of why I refer to him as PCAT, right? The talking trash, the beating of the chest. It's all representative of my exact point about him, which is that there he just seems like he's so good, right? He's so talented. Yet there's like this like underlying insecurity about everything. That like when he's talking trash, it's almost like he's afraid for a blowback. You get what I'm saying? And it's just like, listen, man, you're good. You don't need to prove anything to anybody. Are are you soft down low? I think that's the that's the big thing, right? Like big men just eat him up, right? Like he's just <laughs> I, mean, it's, I just realized the innuendo at all. Yikes. <laughs> I was just about to say, yikes. <laughs> big men do what, Oswee? Big um, men do what to PCAT? <laughs> the thing is pcat very much represents like a hold me back type of tough guy you get what i'm saying like he he's like trying to be it to try to prove a point that he's not and that in and of itself makes him that way a- am i am i talking out my ass or like no nah, I, I feel you, you but you get I, what i'm saying no nah, 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 i get you but the thing is 
I'm gonna keep it a buck. So, like, no matter who wins that seven or eight game, I think whoever wins that, they're definitely gonna beat the the victor of the nine and ten game. Oh, easy. So I, easy. I so I expect Minnesota and the LA Clippers to be seven and eight of some variety. Either way, I expect those two teams to be in the playoffs. Which is interesting because I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. I expect those two teams to be in there. But which team would theoretically match up better with the Suns between the two? Between the Clippers and the Timberwolves. I mean, I don't think... So the gap this year between the Suns and every other team in the West is, to me, significantly substantial. So I don't think either of those teams really match up well with them. I I guess I would go with the Timberwolves, like, we're not going to see Kawhi at any point, are we? No, no. Okay, no. yeah, I, I guess I'll nominally go Timberwolves. I think Cat is still a dominant big, and I I think Aiton isn't going to stop him from getting his points, definitely because Cat can shoot from outside. I think, if anything, Aiton at, at his best can cancel Cat out, but I, I yeah. doubt that would happen. I think Edwards... He's a tough out for anyone to guard. I do think they have guards who they could throw at him, like Miles Bridges. Yeah. No, no, Macau. I mean, uh, Macau Bridges. Sorry, I, I always do that. Miles is on the Hornets. Yeah, yeah. I had to but, think about that for a second. Yeah. But Devin Booker and Chris Paul, ultimately, like, you're just going to have too much to deal with. I think, yeah, that'll be the best matchup between those two teams, but I, I don't think neither one of them will be able to particularly match up well. Do both of those teams get swept by the Suns if they face off in a series? Or you think they could steal a game or two? Uh, I always think any team can steal a game. Because a I game? think when you look at a game instead of looking at the, the totality of a series, like anything can happen. Shit, we see in college basketball, a 15 seed, we've seen them beat a two seed. You know, like they're not supposed to win. But because it's one game, anything can happen in one game. Could I see them taking two games or more? No, not at all. I just don't see if if everyone's healthy on the Suns, it's either going to be a gentleman's sweep or a straight sweep. Right. Shout out to St. Peter's University, by the way. You're talking about uh, underdogs in NCAA winning. Those guys went pretty far. Jersey City, you know? Oh, yeah, facts. Facts. They did. Although I look at a team like the Grizzlies... I know they're pretty dangerous too. Uh, my my only concern about the Grizzlies is really John Morant. Yeah, I mean he's still injured, right? Yeah. Now, to be fair to the Grizzlies, I I think they're less dependent on Jaw than people even realize. Even though he puts them like to the next level, and I think they're going to be a, a tough out in the playoffs. And I I expect them to get fairly far. I don't expect them to be in the finals, but I've seen stranger things happen. But a lot of that is contingent, as you said, on Ja, who's injured right now. But it's a solid team even without him. Yeah, I like what they're building. They have this good young core that can grow together. Once they get more playoff experience, I don't see why this team can't be, you know, legit. I don't even want to say they're not legit contenders because it's just the Suns look so dominating. But I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Ja comes back and then the team just is clicking in all cylinders, you know? We could potentially see them in the finals. Is it is it likely? I'd probably give it to the Suns over them. 
I could even see Luca somehow squeaking by just because I believe in Luca and anything he does. But yeah, they have, they have they have room to grow. I know one thing: Luca need to get out the first round this year. Oh yeah, I mean he's the fourth seed. This is the highest he's been. What what was he like six seed last two years? Mm-hmm. Right, and then he's playing against pretty talented Clipper teams two years in a row, and he didn't have good teams with them. You know, like I think yeah. this, by the standards set by this team from this this year, I agree with you. He's got to make it out of the of the first round. But I, I take nothing against him for not getting out of the first round previously. I mean, oh, it yeah, was, no doubt. It, it was it was never his fault. Like he, he played well in spite of the team. He slugged with Lions, and most of the time he was facing two Lions on his own, and he was handling them. So no, I don't I don't blame that on him at all. I just think now you've had the two years, you know, you you got your feet wet in the playoffs. It's time to actually start building something substantial in the playoffs. So, you know, the time is now. Definitely. But I, I, I honestly don't know who's going to come out of the East or the West. And I probably think we should save that portion of it for another time. But I do think with the playing games, particularly the, the East, I think is going to be an interesting, interesting scenario. And I, I, I think I'm going to pay very close attention to the Brooklyn Nets. You and everyone else, my friend. You and everyone else. Oh, we know you're going to be looking because you don't want to see them at all. Hey, got to trust the process, you know? (laughs) Okay. Trust that process to Kyrie Irving putting 40 points on James Harden head. Well, with that and with whatever dignity I have left as a Sixers fan, I think that's a perfect place to stop for today. (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to like, comment, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And be sure to email us at brownmanwontjump at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at brownmanwontjump. We'll catch you in the next one, and stay safe, guys. Deuces! Joel Embiid, MVP, scoring title, finals MVP. Trust the process. Big men do what, Oswee? <laughs>